1961 was a really intense year. It saw the inauguration of John F. Kennedy, the construction of the Berlin Wall, the CIA's attempt to oust Cuban dictator Fidel Castro with the Bay of Pigs invasion, and Yuri Gargarin and Alan Shepard took mankind to a new realm, space. In UFO research, 61 is known as a red-letter year as well, with the first documented abduction account from Betty and Barney Hill. However, there is another sensational story from that year you may not have heard about. Through the wonder that is social media, I have received a lot of blowback about my warning not to lick UFOs from the last episode. It's all in good fun, of course. But what if I told you there was a close encounter case that utilized all five of the human senses? And what if I told you there were aliens that came bearing the gift of pancakes? What's up, you fanats? Welcome to the On April 18, 1961, at approximately 11 a.m., Joe Simonton, a 60-year-old chicken farmer, was about to sit down to a meal when an unusual sound caught his attention. He described it sounding like knobby tires on a wet pavement. Looking out his window, he sees an object descending straight down, like an elevator. Outside, he comes upon an object that resembles two bowls stacked on one another, with a ring around the middle. In the ring were numerous pipes that had a diameter of 6 to 7 inches and went around the entire craft. It was approximately 12 feet high and in diameter of 30 feet. And it was brighter than chrome, according to him. Shortly after he exited his house, a hatch began to open, and inside Joe saw three men. They appeared to be 5 feet tall, with dark hair, a dark complexion, and smooth faces. In a letter to Flying Saucer Review, dated February 22, 1962, Joe would further add, Those men had a complexion finer than any woman I ever saw, and their eyes just looked down right to the bottom of your shoes. When they looked into your eyes, well, you just couldn't stand to look at them for long. They just seemed to do something to you. Joe also described the men as Italian-looking, for all that's worth, and described their clothing in a way that made them resemble the dress of an Olympic athlete, specifically a speed skater. That's right, we're talking about an intergalactic onesie. One of the men approached the opening of the craft and produced a pitcher with two handles on it. It seemed to be made of the same material the craft was. Though the two never exchanged words or telepathic thoughts, as some otherworldly beings are said to do, the man simply made a motion with the cup that indicated he needed water. Fully understanding this, Joe took the cup, filled it up, and returned to the Space Italian. Upon his return, Joe noticed that the interior of the craft was a dull black, kind of like wrought iron, but there was an instrument panel adorning the wall. He also noticed that one of the men was cooking with a flameless grill, and he took an interest in it. He made a motion to the man and indicated that he wanted what they were cooking. The Italian-looking alien produced four pancakes, as he described them, and handed them over to Joe. Before leaving, the man made some kind of salute to him. The hatch closed, and the craft rose up about 20 feet in the air, 
and took off at a 45-degree angle toward the south at an incredible speed. Joe ate one of the pancakes and said it tasted like cardboard. Each of them was roughly three inches in diameter and had numerous perforated holes in them. He kept one more for himself, gave one to the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, or NICAP, and another to the United States Air Force. The case was investigated by Colonel Robert Friend and Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who you know from the previous episode because it was practically a love letter to him. They determined that Joe was being truthful, but that his experience was most likely due to a dreamlike state. They handed over their pancakes to the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, and they concluded that they were of terrestrial origin, being composed of hydrogenated fat, starch, buckwheat hulls, soya bean hulls, and wheat bran. One key element missing from the pancakes, though, was salt. And as Jacques Vallée has noted, and he is a famous UFO researcher who has drawn connections between the fairy tales of the old world and the UFO phenomenon of now, he noted that fairy food doesn't generally contain salt, and that salt itself was often used as an item to protect against them. So could there be a possible connection? Before I leave you from this episode, I want to present this short explanation of events uh, f- from a 1961 interview with Joe, uh, you will find that his feet are firmly planted on the ground. He's a real salt-of-the-earth guy, so I hope you enjoy. Where do you meet someone from outer space? Perhaps in the North Woods. Joe Simonton of Eagle River, Wisconsin, spends a yarn about an April morning in 1961, a morning when he says he came face-to-face with another world. Uh, right here is where this uh, flying saucer, this UFO, landed. Right here about where I'm standing. And uh, it was a big, huge thing, and uh, I wondered what the heck it was. I was in my kitchen uh, having a bite of lunch, and I turned around, put the dishes in the sink, and I looked out the window, and that's when I first saw this thing coming straight down, just like an elevator. And... Uh, First, I thought the roof went off of my house, and I thought, no, the roof is green, and this is bright. What the heck is it? So I rushed out to see what it was, and by that time, there was a hatchway opening up in the top of it, just like the trunk of your car. And in there, there stood a little man, I say a little man, about five foot tall, holding up a jug or a, a container, and he motioned, he wanted to drink, he motioned for water. So I walked up to him to get this jug and uh, I looked at his eyes, and they were so penetrating that I had to look away. So I went to the basement to get this water, and uh, I thought, well, they want water, so I'll take it up to them and see what happens. And with that, I brought the water up, and he was looking at me when I first came out of the basement, but I didn't look at his face until I got right up to him. Then I looked up, and I handed the jug up with both hands, and I had that same look in his eyes, a sort of a penetrating look. And uh, when he took the water, I balanced myself with this hand against the machine, and I stepped back a few steps. And then uh, uh, with that, uh, he set the jug down, and he gave me a salute with the back of his hand, a gesture of thanks, I presume. And then, uh, well, I gave him my salute. What am I going to do? So uh, 
I notice this little man, the uh, same size of a man, right to the side, the right side of the hatchway, cooking, uh, cooking these pancakes, which I have one here yet. Uh, he was he was frying these these pancakes, and uh, I pointed to him and made a gesture like eating. I thought maybe I get a conversation out of him. Nobody was saying anything, but he. Uh, he didn't say a word. He just reached over and he got a handful of them, four of them, and he handed them down to me. And uh, they were hot and greasy. And this uh, man cooking these pancakes, it was on a square uh, grill-like concern. I couldn't see any flame, but it seemed to be very hot. There was smoke coming from it. And uh, if that was their food, God help them, because I took a bite of one of them, and it tasted like a piece of cardboard. And uh, if that's what they lived on, no wonder they're small. And with that, he reached up and he closed his hatch with a heavy thud, click-like, and it latched. And you couldn't a bit more see where that hatch was and you could see a hole in my hand. And uh, with that, the thing started to raise, just like it came down. Everything was time perfect. It went up about 20 feet. It tilted a 45-degree straight south and shot off. And within uh, two or three seconds, it was out of sight. Well, there I stood in the driveway with a handful of greasy pancakes and my mouth open, wondering what the heck I'd saw, what had happened. You can find the Our Strange Skies podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, and most podcasting apps. If you want to email the show, our email address is ourstrangeskies at gmail.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Our Strange Skies. We also have a Facebook group called In Gray We Trust, a group for those who look up into our strange skies. Come join the conversation. Also, Chris Cogswell of the Mad Scientist podcast and the new director of research for MUFON just told me about a sweet deal for you folks if you'd like to join MUFON. If you enter the promo code JOIN25 or UFO25, you'll receive 25% off a year membership on all levels except for the VIP level. That's the really dope, expensive level. Don't worry about that. It's 25% off your first year. You can't beat that. Remember, enter the promo code JOIN25 or UFO25 for 25% off your first year. And finally... Don't forget to look up, because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies. In Grey We Trust. David Media.